Then you will truly be successful. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. Gotta work together. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good to those who love God. He has word on your lips. To those who are called. Meditate on your According to be his purpose, to do purpose. it's his purpose, Ooh. not mine. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. Gotta work together. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. To those who love God, He has word on your lips. To those who are called According to his purpose It's his purpose Philemon, the first chapter and the first verse says this Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus And Timothy, our brother To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker Also to Aphia, our sister And Archippus, our fellow soldier And to the church that meets in your home Grace and peace to you From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was so that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done any wrong and owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And that ends our reading for today. I want to begin this thought by telling you two stories. One will make you laugh. The other will make you cry. Both, I pray, will help you to change. 
In October of 2013, my life was forever changed when a group of us traveled to an orphanage in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. It was a beautiful facility, spacious landscape, clean rooms and heartfelt posters on the wall reminding the children of God's love. When we walked in, our eyes were transformed. Suddenly we saw like Jesus, we sensed his love in the midst of these kids and we knew he was among us. The director of the orphanage explained the current health predicament of these 40 or 50 children. Their ages ranged from three years old to 13. Many of them had been diagnosed with HIV AIDS and some of the children suffered from terminal health side effects due to birth trauma. He went on to explain something that I will never forget as long as I live. These children were not supposed to be alive. In fact, their mothers took medication to abort their children, but the children still lived. They went to various doctors and endured multiple procedures to ensure that their babies did not survive, but the hand of God was on their lives so greatly that these kids survived what most had died with. As a result, their bodies were living out the side effects of attempted abortion. Some children had no limbs. Many children had trouble seeing or hearing. One kid who sat lifelessly in a chair, in a wheelchair, tried to play catch with the rest of us. When I walked over to him to have a conversation, I gestured to shake his hand and it took him close to five minutes to lift his hand from the resting place of his wheelchair and connect it into my hand. But he persisted to work until that handshake was secured. As I turned to one of the advisors, he explained that his immune system was so low that he had to be pushed around all day, fed and carried to bed all because of the HIV. His story reminds me of Jesus in Luke 10 in the famous parable of the Good Samaritan. When Jesus opens the scene, he speaks about a man who had been left on the side of the road to die. He had fallen among thieves who stripped him of his clothes, beat him like a senseless rag doll, and departed from him, leaving him half dead. Like these kids in the orphanage, the thief desired to destroy their lives, but half dead also meant half alive. These children were half alive. They still had breath in their bodies. They still had a purpose to accomplish. And I believe you are reading or hearing this because you know what it's like to be left on the side of the road to die. You are reading this because God wants to use your life to encourage someone who feels lifeless. Your past may suggest that others have forgotten about you, but God never will. Your history may feel or leave a trail of scars, bruises, and wounds. But if you can find the strength to rise, God can use the raw materials of your past to change someone else's future. Never discount your worth because of a few curveballs. When you get discouraged, see those kids fighting to live in a toxic womb. See that man on the side of the road, lifeless. See Jesus sustaining you, even when you don't want to get out of the bed. And after you get up, be the good Samaritan in someone else's life that causes them to see themselves not as someone who is half dead, but as someone who is half alive. I wish I had read this thought on the day of my funny story. So there I was on Springfield Avenue in Irvington, New Jersey. We had just left an all night musical of some sort at the church that holds so many personal memories, Christian Pentecostal Church of Christ. And what does one do after an all-night musical? We eat, 
Popeye's Chicken and Biscuits. Thankfully, minutes away from the church, there is a Popeye's fast food restaurant and a McDonald's. The Popeye's is on the left side of Springfield Avenue. The McDonald's is on the right. Literally, if you throw a stone between the two restaurants, you will land on either property. That's how close they are in proximity to each other. Well, the Popeye's line was always long on Springfield Avenue and often because of the area where this restaurant sat. It was no surprise to see someone begging for money while you were in line at the drive-thru. But tonight, I was ready. I did not have silver or gold, but such as I have, I give unto thee. I was already amped after a wonderful God encounter at the concert, so I was determined I was going to bless as many people as possible. I saw the young lady gesture for me to let down my window. I greeted her and asked how she was doing. Grace and peace be unto you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. How can I serve you? She told me she was fine and needed a couple dollars to get something to eat. No problem, my friend. This is what I came to do. I excitedly asked her what she had a taste for, a two-piece white or a three-piece dark. What kind of sides did she want, coleslaw or corn on the cob? I was even willing to throw in some of those delectable Popeye's biscuits because nobody comes to Popeye's for the chicken alone. You need the biscuits with the anointed honey on the side to wash all of your sins away. I pushed up closer to the drive through menu to see what kind of drinks they had to offer. But the lady stopped me in my tracks and said, well, actually, I don't want Popeye's tonight because, um, wait for it. I have a taste for McDonald's. And a hush fell over Jerusalem. Now, remember, on this popularly busy street in Irvington, New Jersey, sat a Popeye's on the right and a McDonald's on the left. They were only a stone's throw away from one another. And here I was listening to this soul tell me that she couldn't afford to buy her own food, but was hungry. And even she was begging for food in the Popeye's drive through But in actuality, what she really had a taste for was McDonald's. <laughs> Y'all, I am cracking up even as I type these words, thinking about my knee-jerk reaction. And I, and I must confess, my Jesus juice had run out by this point. So I said something I should not have said. I looked at this lady and said, if you had a taste for McDonald's, why stand ye gazing in the Popeye's drive-thru? Why not just cross the street and beg from the McDonald's drive-thru? And then before I could stop myself, I said, how you going to be poor and picky? Immediately, I started judging her. I was fresh out of service, a powerful worship encounter, but I went from zero to 100 telling those in my car, that's why you can't help people. They always know how to push your button. She is so ungrateful. How dare she ask me for money instead of take my chicken? I was ready to give her a meal. She must have wanted this money for drugs. I mean, listen, y'all, I went on and on and on. And before I got to the window to pay for my food, this scripture dropped in my spirit, Hebrews 13, 2, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by doing some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. What if this woman without an address was Jesus? What if this was an angel sent to drive a message to me from the drive through to test out my religion? What good would it have profited me to belittle, judge or condemn this woman? At the end of the day, God had blessed me with a car and a few coins. How much more did God want me to bless this woman? When the scene opens in the book of Philemon, there are a few things you must know. 
For more than two years during his third missionary journey, Paul had been ministering in Asia Minor among the people of Ephesus. This was a successful period for the apostle who saw many converts among both residents of Ephesus and visitors to the city. One of the visitors converted under Paul's teaching was a man named Philemon, who was a slave owner from the nearby city of Colossae. In the book that bears Philemon's name, Paul addressed his beloved brother as a fellow worker, a title given to those who served for a time along Paul. So clearly a kinship existed between Paul and Philemon, and we know this because of the letter that was written here. Long story short, a slave named Onesimus had escaped from his owner Philemon and had run away from Colossae to Rome in the hope that he could disappear into that urban environment. Once in Rome, Onesimus, either by accident or by his own design, came into contact with Paul, who promptly led the runaway slave to faith in Jesus Christ. Paul had already been planning to send a letter to the Colossian church, but Paul wrote a personal letter to Philemon and sent Onesimus, the slave, back to Colossae. The letter to Philemon reminds us that God's revelation to humanity is personal. In other letters written by Paul, it might be easy to get the impression that God does not care or have time for trials and tribulations of a single household. But Philemon stands as one piece of strong evidence to the contrary, revealing that God's love does not discriminate. The book of Philemon stands as a heartfelt message to God's church, reminding us not to ignore the children in the orphanage and not to belittle the beggars outside of Popeyes. Paul's message to Philemon was a simple one based on the work of love and forgiveness that had been wrought in Philemon's heart by God, we must show the same to the escaped and now believing slave Onesimus. In other words, God is calling us to love what some people might label as the unlovable. God is calling us to love the children in the orphanage and the mothers who tried to abort them. God is calling us to love the people who say thank you for your donation and for those who say I had a taste for McDonald's. All means all. And in this letter, Paul makes a request. He wants Philemon to forgive Onesimus, to accept the slave as a brother in Christ, and to consider sending Onesimus back to Paul as the apostle found him useful in God's service. Paul approached the topic with gentleness and care. But this letter to Philemon presents in full color the beautiful and majestic transition from slavery to kinship that comes as a result of Christian love and forgiveness. God wants to use your life to encourage someone who feels lifeless. As long as you have the will to recover and the freedom to see people as God sees them, God can turn any disaster into destiny. So don't discriminate. Love as many people as possible as much as possible. Help them to see that God has a plan for their lives. And while some look at them and see someone who is half dead, you can look at them and remind them that they are half alive. Day 78 of our 90 day challenge. And I want to talk from this subject, death to passive aggression. I don't know if you've ever known someone who is passive aggressive, which means sometimes that they are imbalanced. You don't know what you're going to get. Sometimes they say absolutely nothing. Other times they are extremely volatile, loud, argumentative. Uh, you can't really pin them down. Have you ever met somebody who's passive aggressive? With some things, they're going to come and be very aggressive. With other things, they're gonna be passive. And what I see in this particular story with Philemon is that Paul was neither passive or aggressive. In other words, he was able to have a hard conversation given difficult circumstances. 
There's this slave, his name is Onesimus, and now Onesimus is going back after having met Paul. And Paul is saying to the one who owned Onesimus as a slave owner, when he comes back, not only do I want you to forgive him, but I also want you to treat him like he is a child of God because he is. Stop treating him like a slave. A tall order for Paul who wasn't even there to have the conversation. I mean, at least they could have FaceTimed if it was 2020. But what Paul teaches us is that passive aggressiveness prevents purpose. I love that Paul was willing and was emotionally healthy enough to decide not to take what doesn't belong to him. Onesimus was a servant of God, not his. And no matter how great your influence is, you will have a temptation to take what doesn't belong to you. Give it back. Secondly, don't be afraid to have the hard conversation. For some of you, you got to write a letter. For others of you, you need to send an email. For another of you, you need to text it or call. For another of you, you need to schedule an appointment to meet with them face to face. But no more passive aggressiveness. No more talking about people behind their backs. No more evading and avoiding necessary conversations. You too grown to be playing these high school games. Death to passive aggression. Get healed and do purpose. Let's get to work. something we cannot explain that happens when we proclaim your great name your great name say call your name something we can't explain demons tremble at your name yeah your great name, come on, say, King Jesus, no other name, King Jesus, none stronger, we can call on you, whenever we need you, yeah, everybody, everybody that knows the name of Jesus, clap your hands, John, testify, we brother. love to call you, We cannot explain, no, that happens when we proclaim your great King Jesus, no other name, none stronger, yeah. this part. Hey! There is power in the name of Jesus. Power in your name. Yeah. There is power in the name of Jesus. So much power in your name. Everybody say, there is power in Yeah. Oh, so much power. Come on, let it rise. There is power. 